unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. Welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today? Nathan, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, and I always say that whenever we do these episodes because we're returning to one of my favorite, if not my favorite, aspect of doing this podcast with you. Yeah, let me try and do the, have to imagine some reverb here. Old Master Series. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Well, for a lot of us, the hardest part of writing copy is getting started. Today, we're going to dive into some very handy tips from Old Master John Caples. He is, of course, famous for his ad, which had the headline, They laughed when I sat down at the piano, but when I began to play. Caples was what we would call today a data-driven marketer. He made choices based on test results as much as everything else. He was highly successful as an advertiser and as a copywriter, copy chief, and author of some of the best books ever written on direct response marketing. Mm -hmm. Now, in this book, Tested Advertising Methods, he has an entire chapter devoted to seven proven ways to start your copy. Imagine how much easier it will be to write when you have some surefire ways to get started. That's what today's show is about. Of course, we have a surefire way to start the podcast. It is this. Copy is powerful. You are responsible for how you use what you hear in this podcast. Most of the time, common sense is all you need. But... If you make extreme claims and or if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. Now, to come up with the seven techniques we're going to talk about today, John Caples didn't brainstorm a bunch of ways to start copy. He didn't get a bunch of guys in the room and say, hey, guys, what do you think would be a bunch of good ways to start copy? He didn't even draw on his massive, successful experience as a copywriter and copy chief for six of the seven, at least. No, for this chapter, he did something better. He found the best source of leads where the words had to work, and that was the Reader's Digest. Now, you may not be familiar with Reader's Digest, but if you're as old as I am, you probably are. If for no other reason than you remember old copies of the magazine lying around the waiting room of the dentist's office. Reader's Digest was the largest circulation magazine in the United States until 2009. Millions and millions of people would read these articles each month. And so the editors had to make sure every word counted. They couldn't take risks or allow flights of fancy. That was for other magazines. Every article in Reader's Digest needed to make sense to the reader right away from the first word and all the way through. When you've got millions of readers, you've got to be as simple, straightforward, and yet compelling as humanly possible. Mm -hmm. It was against this backdrop that Capels began his research. He thought, 
If editors use something to start articles in Reader's Digest over and over again, it's not by accident. They have to know it works. So he started cataloging and counting the different ways the article started. He figured if it will work in editorial, it will also work in advertising. I think he was absolutely right. And it was a brilliant way to show copywriters proven ways to start their copy. He came up with six ways that were repeated over and over in the magazine. And he added the seventh one that really comes more out of good ads. All of this is from chapter nine, again, of tested advertising methods. Now, we talked about another chapter from tested advertising methods, and I was very severe about only the fourth edition being any good because they changed and diluted some of the stuff in the fifth edition. But for the fifth edition, for this podcast, for chapter nine, mercifully, they left it untouched. So we're going to put a link to that book, which still is out of print, but is a little easier and cheaper to get linked to Amazon. So along the way, this is going to give you a toolkit to get your copy started faster and with more confidence. So let's get started. Number one, interrupting ideas. Capel says an interrupting idea is a startling statement or novel twist that breaks through the boredom barrier that often exists in the mind of the reader. For wasn't it Iggy Pop who said in his 1979 song, I'm bored, I'm chairman of the board. I'm a lengthy monologue. I'm living like a dog. I'm bored. That's important because the kind of lead we're talking about here, the interrupting idea, shakes the reader out of being bored. Now, these days, we use a different term for this kind of lead. And the word phrase comes from neuro-linguistic programming and its pattern interrupt. It's the same idea. Remember when we had Joshua Lee on the podcast a few weeks ago? He shared a couple of pattern interrupts from VSLs with us. One of them from his own VSL, financial VSL. Inside this briefcase is $100,000. And another one he shared from a dental VSL that he found. I don't think he wrote this one. This is a pair of 2,500-year-old teeth from one of our ancestors. Now, the examples that Capel's uses are much older. I don't mean older than 2,500 years. I mean, older than the ones that Joshua Lee gave us, but, and they're from Reader's Digest articles. Still, they're great because they give you some idea of what a good pattern interrupt sounds like. So the first one, the hit of the annual chemical show held in New York a few months ago was a pair of skunks housed in a plastic cage. Another one from Capel's. While we humans think that penguins look and act like people, there's sobering evidence that they think of us just as big penguins. Hmm. Oh, I would add, especially when we wear tuxedos. And the last one, each day, hundreds of thousands of harried young mothers nervously thumb through a dog-eared, oatmeal-splattered volume, one of the most extraordinary ever published. I have no idea what that book might be, Nathan. You? I have no idea. <laughs> but I'm interested well, in finding out more, though. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And that is the point. So pattern interrupts, any thoughts on those? You, you must. I'm sure you use them. 
Yeah, I actually, I've been doing a lot of copy for short form Instagram reels and TikTok videos lately, and I have come up with a new term or adopted a new term, scroll stopper, something that stops the scroll. And a lot of times the videos that we do have captions and the first sentence of the video, the first caption that shows up has to be able to grab the attention, evoke curiosity, make a promise. It's got to stop the scroll. So it's the same idea just for a new platform. That's good. I think you could do a meme that says stop the scroll and get a lot of people going, hmm, what's that? A new service that we offer. There you go. That sounds great. I like that even better because, okay. Number two is the shocker. And this kind of lead cables writes closely related to the interrupting idea is an opening. That's even more startling that can be described as the shocker. That is a shocker is a pattern interrupt on steroids. It's probably what you're doing with your um, stop the scroll stuff, right? Same idea. Of course, it's just different intensity. Now, the one thing you want to look out for when you're doing a shocker is that you don't go over the line of believability here. You can go right up to that line, but don't go over it. Because if your reader's bullshit meter shoots into the red zone, you've lost them before you even gotten started. Mm -hmm. Okay, with that in mind, let's look at a couple of shocker examples from the book. This morning in the United States, 8,000 more mouths demanded to be fed than yesterday morning. And there are some crimes a racketeer never commits until he sees his lawyer first. (laughs) Okay. Now, these days, what's going on in the world has become so outrageous that it's harder than ever to shock people. But it's not impossible. You just have to give it a little creative thought. Um, How about this one for solar panels? Most people don't know that it's not only possible, but legal to make your electric meter run backwards and get PG&E to pay you for electricity, Mm -hmm. okay? Leave it to me to come up with a shocker about electricity. Hmm? (laughs) Okay, another, (laughs) I'm sorry, it's best I can do it this time in the morning. Another one, Um, I thought it was impossible to make a hard ride at 90 miles an hour until I took an extreme driving course. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, one good thing about a shocker, even if it's only a placeholder that you'll improve upon later, is that to come up with it, you have to dig deep into the most unusual and unexpected aspects of your offer and its benefits. So there's a, you know, secondary benefit and just looking for a good shocker can get your creative juices flowing. Nathan, I'd really love to talk to you more about stop the scroll if it's not proprietary if you're willing to share anything about it because i'd love to know about maybe some of the ones you came up with and or how you come up with them very much with this the thing that i'm doing i'm assuming this is probably the same with the readers digest editors you put yourself in the mindset of the person who's looking at your content so i'm thinking of somebody who's scrolling through instagram or tiktok and there's so much content out there i want to make sure that with within the first fraction of a second of seeing the preview of the video that i'm putting out for a client that it grabs the attention and it says you have to finish watching this and with attention spans getting shorter and 
with the world getting more outrageous or at least being able to showcase the outrageousness a lot easier, um, it's becoming more and more difficult. But the, the main thing is getting into the mindset of the person reading, getting into the mindset of the person scrolling and saying, okay, if I'm this person and this is the mindset I'm in right now, what would stop me? What would grab my attention? What would shock me out of the kind of brain dead scrolling that I'm doing? Yeah, that, that's a keeper. I mean, that's that's a, a good way to look at it. All right, let's go to number three on Cable's list, news. Now, I know a lot of people won't watch the news because it's too negative. I mean, a lot of copywriters, a lot of marketers. And they avoid social media because, and I quote, it's a cesspool. A couple problems with that if you're a marketer or a copywriter, even if you are rightly looking out for your own mental health. Problem number one is a lot of your prospects watch the news. Problem number two is a lot of your prospects are on social media. That means that what's in the news and what's on social media is top of mind for your prospects. So if you aren't up to date on what's on your prospects' minds, then you're going to lose out to the other copywriters and marketers who are. Now, I will freely admit that my mood goes up and my anxiety goes down when I stay away from news and social media, even for a few hours or a day. But I still realize I need to stay in touch with what misinformation and information other people are consuming. Okay, so those are some thoughts about news, right? Now let's look at some news lead examples from Capels. Over the past two years, an exciting era of exploration has opened up, okay? And something exciting and heartening is happening on college campuses these days. Now, in 2022, that would be pronouns. Nathan, this is truly a golden age of grammar. Another Capel's example, two years ago, the American people ordered for themselves a new $40 billion transcontinental highway system. Mm -hmm. I, I think in terms of niches, news leads work especially well for financial and technology offers. Financial, because a, pe a lot of people who are buying stuff, you know, who are trading stocks or investing, they're keeping on top of the news anyway as part of the information to bake into whether they're going to make an investment and what makes a good investment and technology because things just change so fast. I mean, I can't believe how Apple has sort of captured the news media. Every new product comes out is like a major breaking story with all kinds of opinions and details and pictures and diagrams and instructions. And But they have. There's something to notice there. So, Anyway, news, any thoughts about that? Yeah, I think it just it's one of those things that just goes back to the nature of human beings. We want to be informed. We want to make sure that there's nothing sneaking in the bushes that we're not warned about. So the news has an attractive quality for most people. To your point about copywriters saying, I don't want to be influenced by that negativity. I don't watch the news. I remember when I first started copywriting, you, Ben Settle, and Ray Edwards were like the three guys that would actually respond to my emails and help me out when I was first getting started. And Ray told me, go out and watch the pop culture stuff. And I was like, I hate pop culture. It's so like 
below me. I like intellectual conversations. And he goes, okay, but your market is watching the blockbuster movies. Your market is buying the Billboard Top 40 albums. And if you're not in sync with what they're paying attention to, you're not going to be able to meet them where they're at. And so even if you hate the news, even if you understand the propagandistic aspects of it, you should still be aware, and I, I love that you brought that up, you should still be aware of the fact that that's where your market's at. That's what's top of mind for your market. Yeah, great point. I mean, if it's possible for you to mentally, emotionally separate yourself from all the negativity, so much the better. Copywriters are very empathetic, sensitive, feeling people, and that quality seems to increase as we get better at this. So I'm not sure it's possible, but... Maybe call it an occupational hazard. Uh, I'll give one tip. If you're good at marketing, you can realize the influence and manipulation tactics and then watch the news, but watch it with that lens. Watch it with, okay, if I was a marketer trying to persuade people to feel one way or another, which tactics would I use? And then it becomes a little bit less influential over you. Yeah, that, that's a good tip. All right, let's go to number four, preview. And before I go on, you were talking about little TikTok videos that preview the longer video that you want to get them to see. That's not what we're talking about here. Here we're talking about two sentences at the beginning of copy. I just want to make that distinction before I say this. This kind of opener is risky, in my opinion, because a preview essentially says, you know, it, it gives you a little slice of what's next. And it's all too easy to slip into a four-line movie description like you might see on some review website or in a more technical sense. It might come across too much like the abstract of a scientific paper. You definitely don't want to start a sales piece that way. Another risk is you might just plop down a lazy generalization with zero emotional teeth. Beware of that temptation too. But sometimes you can make a preview work. Uh, the three examples from Capels, each one of them, and I'll, I'll explain what it, I'll go over it afterwards, but each one of them creates enough curiosity, intrigue, and promise of things to come to keep the reader reading and reading with increased anticipation, which is what you want. So let's look at these examples. Port-au-Prince, the capital of the Republic of Haiti, is the busiest, noisiest, most colorful city in the Caribbean. Okay, that's good, right? I mean, whether it was a Reader's Digest article or a sales letter, I'd probably want to know more, wouldn't you? Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. Okay, second, up until about 15 years ago, Japanese Beatles seemed unstoppable. This is not a musical group. There are kind of Beatle. I haven't seen many of them lately, but I remember tons of them outside when I was growing up in Maryland. That was about half a century ago. Maybe they've been stopped, but back in the day, this would have been a very good lead. And third, intelligently analyzed, our dreams can give us significant insights into our problems and our relationships with others. There are tons of books on interpreting dreams. I'm interested in this topic, and apparently so are a lot of other people. Now, Let's take a look at why each of these preview leads was good. I'll read it again, and then I'll tell you why I think it's good. Port-au-Prince, the capital of the Republic of Haiti, is the busiest, noisiest, most colorful city in the Caribbean. 
This promises excitement. I want to know what those things are. Okay. Second, until about 15 years ago, Japanese beetles seemed unstoppable. The Japanese beetle preview promises a story about a threat averted. That's interesting. And intelligently analyzed, our dreams can give us significant insights into our problems and our relationships with others. The dreams preview is very intriguing and hints at a description to come of how dreams can be the key to unraveling a whole pack of mysteries. Now, I've always been very cautious about preview leads, and I don't know if I've ever used one in sales copy. Nathan, how do you feel about this kind of lead? They are, the risk is that they're not going to do the job. And what I say by that, what I mean by that is a lot of times with my lead, my hook, sometimes even with my headline or subject line, the two things that I'm going for is either self-interest or curiosity. Those are usually the two best hooks that I find for pulling people in. And a tease has to have an element of both of those, I feel like, or a preview has to have an element of both of those without giving it away. And that's very difficult to do. It's uh, You run the risk of burying the lead, I think, is the thing that is the biggest catastrophe that you you want to avoid. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. Thanks. And Let's go to number five, which is quotation, his word, quotation. This is probably the trickiest of all to pull off. But as a writer, you should get why it can be so devastatingly effective if you choose the right quote. Now, Capel shares this one. Daniel Webster said, if all my possessions and powers were taken from me, with one exception, I would choose the power of words because by them, I would recover the rest. Now, you might think Daniel Webster went off and created a dictionary after he said that. But the dictionary was actually Noah Webster, as in Noah relation to Daniel. However, Daniel was a lawyer and a politician, so he had a different way of using words to get what he wanted. Mm -hmm. Also, some say... Daniel Webster was the greatest orator of the first half of the 19th century in the United States. Now, that, that's a great quote. And certainly as a writer, I would keep reading whatever came after it. But I want to point out there are hundreds of quotes about words, and some are interesting, but very few others are going to pull you in the way Daniel Webster's does. Let's look at a couple of quotes on the same topic you could go very wrong with. Raise your words, not your voice. It is rain that grows flowers, not thunder. Rumi, the famous Persian poet. That's great life advice, but not so great as the lead. Makes you think too much about what he said. Or this one. Words have no power to impress the mind without the exquisite horror of their reality. Edgar Allan Poe. Mm. Wow. Chilling but not such a great lead for a sales piece. So be really picky if you decide to use this copy starter approach. Make sure you use a quote that keeps points in the direction you want your reader to keep going and is all but guaranteed to keep your reader reading. Nathan, have quotes ever worked for you at the start of a sales piece? Yes. If, 
and we've talked about like the golden thread of a piece or the big idea of a piece. If a quote perfectly encapsulates the big idea of a piece, sometimes I'll see a quote and I'll be like, oh my God, I could write a whole sales letter about this and I will start or a whole sales email or something and I will start with the quote. Um, but it has to be, it has to be, uh, like you said, it has to be something that after reading it, you don't sit there and ponder it. It makes sense right away and then drives you to read the rest of it. And that's the, as much as I love Rumi, that was, uh, that, that was a good point. It, it, usually when I read something from him, I sit there and ponder on it and we don't want people stopping in the middle of our sales copy. Yeah. No pondering. Yeah. No pondering when they're reading our sales copy. Okay, that's a good point. And yeah, you wanted to get it right away and keep going. All right. So number six in Capel's list is story. Capel says this is, for him, the most interesting discovery of all in regards to his reader's digest research. And I've got to agree with him overall that it's the most interesting discovery. Now, remember, his research for this chapter was not looking at copy. He was looking at articles and Reader's Digest, which at the time were held to such high standards of grabbing and keeping attention that they might as well have been direct response ads. What Capels found was more than half the articles began with the story. But, and this is crucial, not a sloppy, rambling, wordy story. I want you to notice how simple and powerful these openings are. Each one like the first line of a chapter, the first chapter of a good mystery or detective novel. Here are his examples. One night last autumn, a visitor in New York noticed lights burning in a church on Lower Fifth Avenue. Hmm. And the time was 1 a.m., the place a police station on Chicago's south side. And for 34 tension-packed minutes on August 8th, nine test crew airmen expected to die at any moment. Definitely attention-grabbing. Part of why is the content. But let's look behind the curtain and observe John Capel's laser-like mind at work. And I mean that. He analyzed these winning story openings, and he discovered they have five things in common. They are fact-packed. They are telegraphic, they are specific, they have few adjectives, and they are curiosity arousing. If you use a story lead, do what you can to follow those five rules, fact pack, telegraphic, specific, few adjectives, and curiosity arousing. Nathan, what are your thoughts or experiences starting with a story? I will bring up two things that every single one of those hit as well. A time and a place you want to let people know this is when it happened and this is where it happened. And then a lot of times somebody who has some sort of steak, not steak and potatoes, but some sort of this was on the line. So all of those examples had a time and a place and a couple of them had a, oh, something might be at stake here. But those are those are the three things that is if you can get them into your first sentence. And I noticed all of those did a really good job of this is where it happened and this is when it happened and this is who it was happening to and all within the first sentence. And that is something that pulls people in and makes it almost impossible to stop reading. Yeah, great point. I, I especially like the time and the place that that makes it real. Mm -hmm. OK, 
So number seven is another formula. That's what Cables called it. And he had one more idea if you don't like any of the other ones or you can't make it work. This idea was already a favorite of mine, and it's been around for a long, long time before me, before Cables. It's remarkably simple, and I find it surprising that more people don't use it. Here's how he describes it. You can write a first paragraph that continues the same thought you had in the headline. I mean, why wouldn't you do this? But a lot of people don't. Here are a couple examples from the book. Headline, learn piano, opening copy, play popular hit songs perfectly, hum the tune, play it by ear, no teacher, self-instruction, no tedious ding-dong daily practice, just 20 brief entertaining lessons, easily mastered. Sounds pretty good to me. And here's another example. Headline, how to provide a retirement income for yourself. Opening copy. This new retirement plan makes it possible for you to retire at any age you wish, 55, 60, or 65. You may provide yourself with a monthly income of $500, $600, or more. Now, this is an old ad, so multiply the monthly income number by at least 10 and probably 20, but 10 would be $5,000 or $6,000 or more. I like this one because it's straightforward and seems to be effective, right to the point, like a focused conversation. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts about the copy following immediately out of the headline with the same idea? Yeah, so upsells in almost every industry that I've written for, the best thing to give somebody the chance to buy is what they just bought. They raise their hand and said, I like this. And you say, okay, well, here, double your order, triple your order. Same thing with writing copy. They raise their hand and said, I like this headline. Why not give them more of what they just said? Hey, I'm paying attention to this too. So if they raise their hand and say a headline about learning how to pia- or learning how to play the piano is what I want to read about, give them more to read about learning the piano. Yeah, that's great. Don't back into it or don't go in circles around it. Don't clear your throat. Just get right to it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I agree. All right, well, let me recap these seven quick copy starters from John Caples. Number one, interrupting idea. Number two, the shocker. Number three, news. Number four, preview. Number five, quotation. Number six, story. Number seven, another formula. Use the same idea in your first part of your copy that you expressed in the headline. And we'll put a link to get tested advertising methods in the show notes. I just want to add, I know that a lot of this was written for sales letters. And I would just say that all of these examples work great for social media posts. All of these examples work great for emails. So John Caples was known for writing sales letters, but all of this stuff works great in all of the new forms of copy that we have as well. So don't think it's restricted just to that. These tips work great everywhere that you're writing sales copy. Yeah, I I figured they do, but I was just focused on what he was saying. So I'm, I'm glad you see that and said that. All right. And if you want to check out the book, we will have a link in the show notes and you can check out the show notes over at copywriterspodcast.com. And David, thank you so much for putting this episode together, man. I love these, these time tested truisms about sales copy. These are always my favorite episodes. So thank you for putting it together. 
You're welcome. We, we don't seem to have people like John Caples around anymore, but we have his book. So next best thing. All right. And until next time, man, we will catch you later. Catch you later. When you have some copy and the performance of the copy is mission critical, who are you going to call? Not Ghostbusters. They don't do copy critiques last time I checked. A lot of people, from the most advanced to the up-and-coming copywriters, reach out to me. I do copy critiques. One client, Brett Alcorn, has hired me 20 times. Yep, 20 times. That's because on the very first critique I did for him, he doubled his conversions on a video sales letter. Every month, I do a handful of critiques for GKIC members. These are copywriters and small business owners who are trained and experienced, but they need another set of experienced eyes to go over their copy to take it to the next level. One A-lister told me I go over copy like an IRS auditor. Now, I wasn't sure whether to take that as a compliment or not, but he assured me it was. He said, I can find the one flaw or several flaws in copy that no one else was able to and make winning suggestions on how to fix them. So when you need a copy critique, just go to garfinkelcoaching.com and click on the services tab. Garfinkelcoaching.com for a critique. Thank you. This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.